we were skiing down at Stevens Pass and it was our last run before lunch. And I just made a right turn on my skis. One of them got caught, so they crossed. Um, and I heard like the loudest pop I've ever heard in my knee. What's up, everyone? You're listening to the Do Hard Things podcast by Elite SRS. The purpose of this show is to share stories of hardship and victory as an encouragement for those in the middle of their own hard thing. Because we know hardship produces perseverance, which produces character, which ultimately produces hope. Today's guest is Alicia Matson. Alicia is a great friend of Elite SRS and an amazing jump rope coach and inspiration for the jump rope community. She started jumping when COVID hit and hasn't looked back. Alicia shares the story of tearing her ACL recently and the challenge of accepting her state, building community, and staying consistent on the road to recovery. If you enjoy the show, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review so more people can be encouraged by the stories we share. Now here's the conversation with Alicia Matson. Alicia Matson on the Do Hard Things podcast. And, well, actually, you just got married. So do you have a new last name? <laughs> yes, it's Hanson. So it will be Alicia Hanson. But with all of the paperwork that has to happen in between and like the international trips we have planned, there's no chance I'm changing my name now. Got to keep the passport valid. All the international trips. Yep. Where are you going? Well, the first one is the honeymoon in November. And actually for the first time in my life, I have to let go and allow him to plan it because it's a <laughs> surprise. So we're going somewhere and I can let you know in November, but I'll find out when I get to the airport. Does that make you nervous at all? Yes, but I think it is going to be a learning opportunity for me. I'm very like type A, like make an itinerary, plan it down to the minute and he's a lot more chill than I am. And <laughs> so I think this will be like an adventure in a whole different way. Well, you got the right perspective. At least you're not like fighting and clawing for any ounce of control you can have. And no. you're like, okay. Honestly, like after planning the wedding and like switching jobs recently, I'm ready to let someone else take the reins. Yeah. Just enjoy it. As yeah. much as possible anyways, I suppose. I mean, I'll bring a jump rope and I'll enjoy it that way. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah. So so that's trip number one. What mm-hmm. other trips you got planned? Well, I say it hypothetically because we are going to go somewhere in December and February. We haven't picked. We will in the next couple of weeks. So lots of hypothetical international trips coming up. <laughs> okay. So keep the passport. It will be Hanson. But for now, Alicia Matson. And uh, yeah, super happy to have you on the podcast. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to know who you are, but if they don't, I'd love for them to hear a little bit more about who you are. And the question I ask is, uh, when people ask you what you do, how do you answer that question? What do I do? Well, I mean, I have my passion, which of course is jump rope that I do. And then I also have my job, which is what I do. So Professionally, um, when I have to get dressed up in the morning, I am in commercial real estate um, in Seattle. So I do a lot of portfolio management and marketing for clients and real estate related things. Um, But I never really 
you know, work isn't what defines me. Um, what I prioritize at my like corporate work job is just, do you like the people you're working with? Do you like the community? And do you enjoy being at work regardless of the task? It's always about the people. And that's yeah. one thing that's drawn me to jump rope is I love the people and the community and elite SRS and just the Instagram jumpers. So what do I do for my passion? I jump rope all the time. Yeah. And it's, Compared to, you know, some people who jump rope, relatively new for you, uh, you picked it up during COVID? Yeah, COVID. I think it was March or April 2020 when I first really, truly started jumping. And and was it the people that got you started or it's the people that have kept you in it? Yeah, so I... I posted a random video just for my friends to see at the beginning of COVID, like, whoa, jump rope. This is a novel thing. I don't think anyone in the world jump ropes was my <laughs> at the time. Above the age of six. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you're not six years old, you're not jumping. So I posted a video being like, oh, my friends will think this is cool. And I had a public account. I had hashtag jump rope and a bunch of people started following me and I clicked on their profiles and they were all like beginner jump ropers who had just made jump rope pages like within that month, beginning of the pandemic. And we started chatting with each other. I would try to learn a trick that Maya or Eli or Lauren had just learned. They would try and learn a trick I learned. We would like post a story and be like, I just unlocked this trick, your turn to try it. And then they yeah. did. Um, so the people kept me jumping for sure. Yeah, so, and it's obviously grown a great deal in the last two and a half years, I guess, that you've been doing that. And is it so with the same people, like those, those you just mentioned four names, but how much has your community of jumpers who kind of push you grown in that two and a half years? Oh my gosh. Like I could count the people that I was following on two hands at the beginning of the yeah. pandemic. And it was like, these 10 people inspired me and influenced me. And now it's just like, out of control. Like there, I'm following so many more jumpers who I, I feel like at the beginning, I really got to know the jumpers. Like I knew what their names were. I knew their life story. I knew where they were from. We were like actually talking and we had like a personal connection. And yeah. now it's like, there's just so many of them who like inspire me, who you don't have time to talk to all of them, but you have time to like see them on your feed and be inspired by them. So now it's just like, it's grown a lot. Yeah. So, okay. So when you think back, gosh, I don't know how long, 10 years, let's say 10 years. Did, did you think that you'd be doing real estate? Did you think that you would be doing something like jump rope? Like no. what were you thinking your life would look like versus what it is now? Oh my gosh. When I was in college, I, I majored in East Asian studies and Chinese minored in human development and dance. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I went to a private liberal arts school. So it was just like major and whatever and like figure out. Do what it all. Do. Yeah. yeah. So I thought I would be a teacher of some sort, like in elementary school, or I had an idea of moving to China at one point and being an educational consultant, helping high schoolers apply to colleges in the U.S. and helping them with that whole application and transition process. Yeah. Um, and I guess actually skip forward, I kind of am a teacher a little bit in terms of making jump rope tutorials. So yeah, my college education did it off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but honestly, it came down to practicality of finances for me with having student loans galore and needing to find 
kind of a career path that would help me pay those off more immediately. Um, so I just applied to some jobs in real estate and other corporate jobs in New York where I moved after college and took the best job I could to help me pay off loans. So it was all financially driven initially, but you must still like it or is it all financially driven at this point? No, I actually like it. It's more, like I said, it's more about like people and community for me. If I'm motivated by the people around me, I will like what I'm doing. Yeah. And has that always been a motivation for you? The the people, like even when you were younger? I'm huge into community. Like no matter what I'm doing in life, I'm always trying to find the people that relate to that and become very mm-hmm. close with them. Yeah. So uh, does that also extend to like your neighbors in your apartment or your neighborhood of your, like the home that you're in? Um, I don't actively go knock on people's doors <laughs> and I did just move into this apartment. So no. Um, but when it comes to either work or sports or injuries or any of that, I'm always trying to like forge a community in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. You don't like doing things alone. It sounds like. <laughs> no way. Get no some way, people Jose. on board. I want to share experiences with other people. Isn't that what life is about? Oh, a hundred percent. I, when I was working in sports, I was trying to figure out why, why it mattered. Like, you know, I think everybody kind of goes through that at some point, like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Yeah. And I was thinking about, uh, you know, specifically selling tickets and I, this idea of connection was like what I was stuck on. Like people love sports, I think, for for a few different reasons, but one of them being like, there is a community that they can be a part of as a fan of a given team and, or as a participant in a a sport. Mm -hmm. And I was researching that. And there's this book called The Social Connection that took this idea of Maslow's hierarchy and said, you know, like it's wrong that the basic need in Maslow's hierarchy is uh, like physical needs, food, water, shelter. Mm -hmm. And if those aren't met, you can't worry about anything else. And they said, actually, no, like what's even below that is human connection, like social connection. If you think about a baby, like being born, if they didn't have a connection to a human, they would just die. And like, we are wired to like need people. And there are so many different arguments they made. Like that was their kind of baseline thing. And I was like, wow, that's so fascinating. And it's, I, so I a hundred percent agree with you. Like I agreed with them. I agree with you that like, we need the people. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even if it's for good or bad, I guess, in a sense, like in a good way, like accountability and support systems and just like your mental health, honestly, people around you to boost your mood, but also like if someone's doing something better than you or being mean to you, it like pushes you to grow in different ways. Like they're better. I want to attain that or like, Ooh, they're not a great person. Like, let me learn how to deal with that or learn how to not be like that person. So regardless of what the circumstance is of the community, I feel like it helps mold you as a person. Oh yeah, totally. It's like so good for us. Did you have siblings growing up? No, just me. Mm. But So um, can you compare that like experience of not having necessarily the, like, I'll call it community in your home of siblings Yeah, I mean, and then like getting out into the world? I guess I all, I never like felt alone because I would come, I mean, I was so busy. Like I'd be in school all day. And then after school, it would be like, 
dance practice or musical theater practice until 11 p.m. And then I'd be up at six in the morning to get to my 6.30 like choir, like pre, before school started, I had like choir practice from 6.30 to 7.30. So it's like all day I was with people, with my communities, rehearsing or practicing for something greater than myself and then going home to like do homework and sleep. And I was really lucky to grow up in a neighborhood where the street had like 16 other kids who were my age that I played with all the time. And like, even though I always wanted a sibling, just someone who could relate to me and my family and that household I was living in, I never felt like I was alone ever. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool that you had so many kids in your neighborhood who you actually wanted to hang out with too um, and were available. But 6.30 a.m. choir practice, I've never heard that much commitment for a choir practice in my life. (laughs) Our school was very like musical theater focused to the point that for our wedding that happened just this September 10th, like this month, we had a group of our choir friends like come up with and like perform a song for us like one guy played the guitar and they were like singing in harmony and like I cried more during that performance than any other moment of my life (laughs) (laughs) I'm envisioning the office and Andy and his like acapella group from college and just like that experience of the people like being so bonded over like their days in music like these people some of them haven't seen each other in 10 years and they just came together and like sang this beautiful song is so great yeah Um, that's a gift for sure yeah so we were very dedicated choir kids no kidding I didn't even want to wake up at 6 30 to go play basketball and I no 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 sorry rehearsals started at 6 30 even more so that's insane I know you can sing at any time of the day well we did we also had our like regular choir practice during the day but this was like pre-choir practice practice wow you guys were probably really good yeah Uh, I mean but I take that like whole practice idea and just toss all my energy into jump rope now so like during COVID it was the same thing for me it was like wake up before work started like I was working from home during the pandemic like just go outside for three hours and like practice jumping and then work and then practice in the evening (laughs) oh my goodness so when you were first starting how much did you jump in like a normal day like three hours a day but but okay that's really unhealthy it wasn't actually (laughs) jumping some of it was like watching videos on instagram outside like i would spend 30 minutes of that watching videos to get inspiration. A lot of it was like learning wraps like around your arm or your leg or your neck. So it's like, I wasn't jumping for three hours. I was yeah. just like figuring out a mic release and stuff. So how much do you like now before all the chaos that was your life for the last four months or five months, how much and going into it, how much do you think you'll jump a day? Yeah, now that I go to work in an office and have a whole commute and stuff, (laughs) um, much less, I would say five days a week is what I was doing before all the craziness for like 40 minutes to an hour. Yeah, yeah, still Still a good amount of time. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. man, that is full commitment. Oh, yeah, I, uh, I, I try to do like 20 minutes and then (laughs) sometimes it'll go longer, but yeah. Three hours. Is, that's awesome that you were able to do that. Um, all right. I want to, I'm going to transit. I want to go straight for the, the question. So the, the purpose of the podcast is to encourage people 
at, like, and it's very base format. And the best way we think to do that is stories of like other people who have been through difficult seasons and come out the other side with something to show for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hope is that it provides hope and perspective for somebody in the middle of it. And the question is, what is the hardest thing in your life you wouldn't take back? Yeah, it actually happened very recently and ties in kind of to jump rope and physical ability and such. Um, But it was going skiing one day and tearing my ACL on the ski slope, which is a ligament in your knee um, that you need for stability and to be able to do kind of like twisting motions and cutting sports and sports in general. So, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, let's just, let's go into the story. Cause I know that, like, I remember when this happened, we as a company sent you like a, a care package and stuff, but I don't think I ever like really heard it. Like what happened, the emotion of it. Yeah. You know, so I mean, this is such a great time to ask because I can tell it in hindsight. And in the moment, it's like I just felt so overwhelmed with everyone asking me what's going on in this story. Mm -hmm. But now it's like I haven't actually talked about it. And it's like a memory for me at this point. And this happened in. See, I don't even remember 20 March, March 2021 last year. Yeah. Year and a half Um, ago. But the story, I was with a group of friends and. We were skiing down at Stevens Pass, which is in actually near Elite SRS, pretty close to um, Leavenworth area, but skiing, I think it was a black groomer. So it was nothing crazy, but it was one of those days where there's like chunky ice underneath and some powder on top. And I've skied my whole life. So I was very confident. And it was our last run before lunch. And I just made a right turn on my skis. One of them got caught. So they crossed. Um, and I heard like the loudest pop I've ever heard in my knee. Like it was visible, like audible, um, <laughs> not visible yet. Yeah. And you could see the sound waves. Yeah, basically yeah. that's how loud it was. Um, <laughs> but I fell over and my ski was stuck like straight up and down in the snow, just like probably a foot under at this point. And I'm laying on the ground two of my friends, well, my boyfriend at the time tore and another friend are ahead of me. And they've just gone down like this kind of cliff drop. So they can't see me at this point. Just me, myself and I on this mountain, like screaming, no one around. Were you screaming? Oh yeah. I was in like, I was in shock, but also pain, but also like not knowing what What it was. Yeah. And I couldn't get myself unclipped or my ski out. So my knee was completely twisted, like 90 degrees and I couldn't move. And this family comes down skiing behind me. And I was like yelling at them, like, please, like, and they stopped. And I was like, can you please just unclip me or take my ski out of the snow? And they're like, no, we're not going to touch you because we don't know what is wrong. So we'll call ski patrol, but like, we aren't touching your body. And I was like, you have to get me out of this ski. And so they did, they unclipped me. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And Tor, my boyfriend and another friend hiked back up. Cause they're like, why is she taking so long? It actually took them a while to come to me. Cause they thought I was peeing in the woods. <laughs> I do sometimes. Oh, it's just normal. She's, yeah. she's probably off. Let's just give her five minutes. Yeah. Anyway, they come back up and there's no cell reception. So once they come up, the other family skis down to get ski patrol. Um, and then they came and 
at that time I was like, honestly, like I'm fine. I was in so much shock. I'm like, I'll just ski down the rest of the mountain. Like it's fine. And ski patrol. And my friends were like, no, like feel <laughs> fine. We don't know what happened. Um, so they put me, like they strapped me into a toboggan and the whole time I'm just like, I really hope this is nothing serious. I will be fine in 24 hours. Um, yeah. So, so they didn't know you didn't know nobody knew it was a huge mystery and they're taking you down the hill and you're just kind of optimistically hoping okay it's no big deal it's just like this crazy accident how long did it take for you to know what happened a while so they get me down the mountain and then I was like I need to use the bathroom at this point so they put me in I a didn't wheelchair. get to go in the woods this no. is a big deal <laughs> So now I had to pee. Yeah. <laughs> they put me in a wheelchair and I was like pushing myself to stand up. I was like, honestly, like I feel fine. Let me try and walk. Then I was like, eh, it feels a little off. I'll just let them push me in the wheelchair, but it didn't hurt at that point. Um, yeah. Use the bathroom, drive back to the cabin. When we get to the cabin, I have to use the bathroom again. Cause welcome to my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I try to get off the couch and walk to the bathroom. And I just fell on the floor and I had to like army crawl myself to the toilet. And I was like, something is super wrong. Um, and we were like, we just need to drive like two hours to get back to Seattle now, just in case. Um, yeah. Cause if I'm in pain the next morning, like it's better to just be home. So, mm-hmm. so when you had that, when you fell, like when you stood up and then you couldn't stand, what were, what were the thoughts that went through your mind? Do you remember? Yeah. Like, I think I like to be a, a positive person and always hope for the best. So I was like, you know, I just had a fall, something popped, obviously it's irritated. It'll be fine in the morning. I just need to ice. Yeah. Um, but we get back to Seattle and the next morning I, again, could not walk at all. Um, had to get crutches. It was a Sunday, so we couldn't call a doctor at that point, but Monday I got in and had an MRI. Cause I was like, something is very, very wrong. And my knee is a balloon. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Had you had any injuries before this, or was this like your first major? They I've had injuries, but they're all minor. Like, yeah. like I sit, rest it, like you'll be fine. Yeah. So this was one of those moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, something's wrong. My family's in Colorado. I live in Seattle. How am I going to deal with this? <laughs> mm. I remember I haven't had any major injuries like that, but I remember fainting one time and feeling like my body had betrayed me. Oh, like, like what? Like, yeah. why did you do that to me? And, and then like not being able to trust my body. And I don't know if like, did you, how long did it take you from like moment that you realized it wasn't going to do what you wanted it to, uh, which maybe was Sunday or Monday to when you felt like you could trust your body to do what it was supposed to again. Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, after the surgery happened and everything, it was about eight and a half, nine months until I tried to get on the ski slope again. And even then, like you don't trust your body at that point. It's your first time back doing what injured you the first time. So like it was, I mean, even right now, like I've only skied once since that injury happened and it was on very easy groomed slope. So like, I don't fully trust my body yet. I think I need Mm. to ski some more, but in every other aspect, it's like, I can jump again. I can run again, but yeah a while so you're you're feeling like in a day-to-day normal setting you trust it 
but in the thing that caused it in the first place. Not quite there. Yeah. Man. If you enjoy the podcast, please do us a favor and head to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. It helps a ton. And there's a reason all the podcasts you listen to ask you to do this. We want to continue to encourage people in the middle of their difficult seasons, and your ratings help boost our podcast visibility and the stories of our guests. Did you pause it and leave a review? If so, thank you. All right, all right. Back to our conversation. So it's like recovery is one thing, like physically, but then the mental recovery is you're still in it. Yeah, I would almost argue that the mental recovery was harder. Like at the beginning, when I found found out I tore my ACL and had to have surgery, like there was no other option to repair the ACL. Um, it's either you don't repair it, like some people choose not to, but then they can't do things like ski. Um, like especially if you're older in life, you don't need to, but for someone who's so young, it's like, if you want to get back to these things, you have to have surgery. So for me, like surgery was my only option. Mm-hmm. I know other people choose differently, but for me, that was my only way to go. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, even from before surgery, like trying to talk to people, it was such a mental battle for me. Cause it's like, they don't necessarily relate to me or they haven't been through what I'm going through. So it's very hard to talk to them. And it's like just a mental energy suck. It's like the last thing I want to do is explain to someone what's going on. I just want people to get it. And that's when I actually realized like, Hey, I created a community through jump rope on Instagram. Why don't I create a community for ACL rehab folks on Instagram and I did and I actually made friends like friends to the point that like one of the girls I met on Instagram came to my wedding and like (laughs) we went through a rehab journey together for ACL surgery so um Mm. yeah the mental battle was hard and it pushed me to meet others who would understand what I was going through yeah totally how so talk about the like I have so many questions. I'm going to put a pin in the, I want to talk about like you creating community in a minute, but let's talk the mental battle piece and trying to explain and the drain that it caused, like when you would interact with people in your life and make, cause you know, it's not a death in the family, but it was a hard thing. And, you know, and people don't know how to, if they're not you, how to like, deal with people in hard situations. A lot of time it's like, do I just like leave them alone? Do I give them space? Do I ask them a lot of questions? Like what was the best thing for you from people? I mean, it's so tough, right? Cause everyone is so different. Some people feel care through like getting a bunch of questions asked to like right. show that their friends care or being left alone so that they can have space to really just chill or they want a lot of gifts because like gifts are the way they feel and receive care. So it's so different for everyone. For me, I just wanted like a few close friends who like truly I would talk to about the deep questions and like really get into that with them. But then if you talk to more people about that, it's just like really exhausting. So mm-hmm. other people would ask like, oh, how's your knee doing? And I would ask or answer with very high level answers. Like, you know, it's good. Like rehabbing, going to physical therapy, but it wasn't like a, 
oh, I don't want to talk to this, but like, I don't like this person. It was more of a, like, I don't have energy to like also tell you how it's going. Um, so for me, I really wanted the people I talked to, to like fulfill me, to be able to fulfill me in a certain way where it's mm-hmm. not like I'm just talking to someone to fill them in. I wanted to talk to people who understood or like just truly cared and it would be kind of reciprocal in terms of sharing experiences and feelings and things yeah so uh and you don't have to answer the questions but what were some of like the deep questions that you just mentioned deeper like with the people that were the closest to you that that were like a part of those conversations yeah and wrestling you know feeling um like you're not crazy, like feeling validated and feeling heard and understood was a big one. And honestly, this is so small. It doesn't even have to do with like, how is your knee? It was just like, we bonded over getting annoyed at having to talk about it all the time. So things like that were like, they understood it. And, um, like when we got further into rehab and like our knees physically looked okay and we could jog and we could walk and it looks like we weren't injured anymore if you just looked at us like being able to bond about the fact that we were only 20 percent recovered but like it's just so frustrating that like people don't realize that we're still pushing and going through this whole mental battle when you can't see we're injured anymore um Mm -hmm. so being able to talk about those things with people who actually got it in that moment was so helpful yeah. So let's talk about this idea. Like you, the, I'm taking my pen out and coming back to this building community thing. Cause, cause a lot of people I think would not do what you did. They would want people to come to them and create the community around them. Mm-hmm. And not as many people are like catalysts for creating community when they feel like they need it. Uh, and cause I would imagine that some of the people that you, like the woman who came to your wedding or maybe others like wanted the same thing, Mm-hmm. but they weren't creating it. And like, if you hadn't created it, then you both would have just been out kind of in the cold. Yeah. And so why do you think you are someone who is willing to like go out on a limb and be a little bit vulnerable to create the community? Like, where do you think that came from in you? Or, and I, I don't know, maybe you don't know the answer, but not everybody does that. Yeah, that's just a really good question. I think that's a part of my personality in general. Like, even if it's in my friend group now, I feel like I'm an initiator for like making group trips happen or like making bowling and dinner nights happen on a Wednesday or something. Like, I'm just that person who kind of initiates a lot. Um, And if I want to do something, I'm going to make it happen. I'm not going to wait for someone to like reach out to me to get dinner. Like, if I want to get dinner, I'm going to ask for that. And I think not everyone can or should be like that. That would be a terrible world to live in. Like there's leaders, there's followers, there's people who initiate, there's people who want to be a part of something and are always saying yes to everything. And we need all of those. So for me, it was like, I want to create a community and the people who showed up to like PT in the park, they wanted to be a part of that community. And you need those people who are like, like one of them found me through ACL hashtag. So like while she wasn't quote unquote creating a community, she was like seeking out a community. So she wanted to be where I was as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But I feel like waiting around for things to happen is just not something I do. Like I'm the girl who will book a trip to Vietnam, a solo trip and say, hey, to my friend group, I booked this trip, who wants to come? and all like yeah. and stuff for us, but I'm going because I want to go. 
And if you want to join, that's fantastic. Um, so for me, it was like if one person showed up to the park to meet up with me or if 50 people came, I would want to be there. So let's yeah. let other people be a part of this too. Mm. So it's, yeah, so the community building, I mean, you kind of talked about this earlier. It's It's not about, like, it's not essential to have the people there. You want them there. Yeah. But the thing you're doing is worth doing and other people, you want to give people the opportunity to do it with you. Yeah. And it's like a place I want to be. So it's like, regardless of numbers of people or statistics or the data, it's like, if I'm happy there, I'll be happy there by myself or with two other people. And like recently I wanted to connect with the jumpers of New York uh, while I was in New York city. And I was like, you know what, let's do a thing at central park. If nobody shows up, I still want to be here jumping. Um, and then a couple people showed up and it was fabulous to connect with them. So I love mm -hmm. being like that person who creates, that. creates something. So this is a random question, but what is the, uh, I'll use the word community, but like event or thing that you've created uh, to bring people together that maybe you're the most proud of? Honestly, like probably that just because it's so pertinent in my mind right now, like I feel like a lot of us were going through the hardest or one of the hardest parts of our life at that point. And like, that's a community where it's not like, oh, we're just like hanging out and having a great time, which is also good. But it was like a very deep, meaningful connection where we did physical therapy together. We would go to boozy brunch together. <laughs> like we would just hang out as friends in general. Like two of us went through a second surgery after the first one. Like I had a second one to remove extra scar tissue that had built up and like my friends were there for me. I was there for them. Um, mm -hmm. I'd say it was like the most functional community I've created and that it had really had a purpose. <laughs> yeah. There was more substance to it yeah. at the end of it. Right. And I think yeah. Jump Rope honestly helped me do that. Like a lot of people, when they look at social media, it's just like this, oh, social media is bad. Like everyone's fake on it. And like, I do agree with that to a certain extent. Um, but being a part of such a genuine jump rope community made me feel like, oh, I could use Instagram to find an ACL knee rehab community. Right. You'd had some success. I hadn't like burned you yeah. in yeah. like the way that people feel it does. Um, so when you were in that group, the ACL recovery group, I don't know if you had like a, a better name for it, but that's what I'm giving it. Um, what, was there any specific advice or encouragement that maybe one or two different people gave you to, that really helped? Oh man, honestly, I just think their in-person support was so helpful. Um, one of them actually conveniently owns is a founder of a gym in Seattle and does like personal training. Um, oh, wow. so while it wasn't necessarily words and of course all their words were so supportive, it was just so helpful that one of the girls in the group had access to that and like equipment and knowledge of how to rehab as well. And, um, we would go to the gym together, do our PT together sometimes. Oh, and actually something that was helpful was just like sharing. We all went to different physical therapists and we could all come and be like, Oh, at week eight of rehab, these are the exercises I was doing and being able to trade information and like mm -hmm. physically demonstrate moves to each other was 
and valuable. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. So flip the, flip it around. Now you're out of, you know, your hard season, mm -hmm. uh, still, still got to get back on the ski slopes and, and conquer that a little <laughs> bit. It sounds like it this coming winter, but, yeah. um, you know, majority through it for somebody who's in the middle of a hard season right now, maybe it's the same type of an injury and physical, like, uh, recovery process. Maybe it's something totally different, but what advice would you have for somebody in a hard season? Oh man. I think like a season is long, like mm. from beginning to the end and you're in the middle and you can't just think of like one day I'll be recovered. One day I'll be better. One day I'll be stronger. It's like, no, tomorrow you will actually be stronger than you are today. Whether it's like with your mindset and mentality or just a small milestone, like, oh, maybe you can bend your knee half a degree more than you could yesterday. And you can't just think like in a year, I'm going to be recovered. And that's just so long from now. You have to think like, what is tomorrow going to be? Like, what is the next day going to be? And look at your progress day to day or like week to week. Um, for me, I kept a journal and I would write like bent my knee this much today, bent my mm. knee this much today. And you could just see like, oh my gosh, one week like makes a really big difference. Um, yeah. So celebrate the small milestones and like celebrate them mentally or write them down or like actually go out. Like when your knee hits that 90 degree bend, like go to a winery and get a glass of wine. Boozy like, brunch oh, time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> small. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. The small wins. It's like the incremental 1% and uh, letting that be the wind in your sails. Like, mm -hmm. cause, cause it still feels like a Valley probably most yeah. of the time. If you, it's almost like the train tunnel analogy, right? Like there's no light at the end of the tunnel when you're, you know, right in the middle of the tunnel, yeah. No, especially if it's a long one. Nope. So it's like, how do you keep, how do you create light basically yeah. in that instance? Little things. Yeah. Um, mm, that's good. There's so many applications for that. Yeah. So when you uh, like think about trying to, get back on the ski slope and, and conquer the, the like trust issues that you have with your knee. Uh, what, what is like the mental soundtrack that'll be in your mind? Yeah. Uh, when you, when you go give it another shot. I think one of the things I, or anyone has to tell themselves, like the work you put into physical therapy or rehab is what you get out. Like your body just doesn't just heal and get stronger exponentially on its own. So for me, I have to know, like I put in all this work and continue to put in all this work and I'm actually stronger than I was before. Like you just have to kind of almost fake yourself and it's not fake it's like real but you have to like make yourself believe that like just keep telling it to yourself until you believe it and like I went to physical therapy like twice a week and was doing physical therapy on my own like six days a week before surgery I never did that like I went to the gym like once a week maybe and just like jump roped and jump ropes great but like PT and those exercises were very targeted on like the glutes, the hamstring. And like, my glutes are stronger than I never knew how to activate my glutes. Yeah. So, like, going back on the ski slope. It's like, yes, you did have a surgery, but you've put in all that work and you're stronger than you were before. And you've got this 
And I actually felt that like the first day I went on the ski slope, I was on a green groomer. And I kind of said like, this is easier than physical therapy. Like it's a mental battle, but like the physical therapy exercises I was doing with weights and stuff were harder than skiing. And on purpose, Mm. you want skiing to feel like easier. Right, right. So you have to trust the process that you've been through and, and believe that like the outcome that you said you were working towards is already has already arrived yeah. despite the like test. It's yeah, almost I mean, like, you know, in school, I know I'm, I'm going to nail this test. Like, because you know that you studied well or something. Right? Yes. I mean, don't just tell yourself that if you didn't put any work into it. Right. Yeah. Don't <laughs> That's lie. That's a whole lie. Like your <laughs> physical therapist will tell, like they're guiding you through all these movements. And like, it's hard to believe that you're better than you were before or stronger or capable, but you have to like tell yourself that a lot when you know you've put in the work. It's like, I am okay. Like I did this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Fine. That's good. Well, I'm excited for you when you get to, when we have a bunch of snow in these mountains and you I get know. a chance to go uh, t- trust the process in reality Again. and yes. do what you enjoy doing for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so to, to finish up the, the conversation, I, I love asking people this at the end of, uh, every interview, but like hard things don't just go away. Like we we're always going through something. If, uh, you know, we are desiring to grow or, uh, we're in community with people, like relationships are hard inevitably. Like, so, so what is a hard thing that you're in the middle of right now? Yeah. (laughs) This is actually an interesting question because the last month of my life was, plan and scramble with this wedding and get this done, um, study and go crush your state real estate exam and pass it, move apartments. And it's been very like focused on like getting things done and hitting these like mini goals that need to happen. And yeah. I feel like for the first time in a while, I am just in this position of like, as of yesterday, finishing the apartment move, it's like, okay, I have fully cleared my plate. So I guess this is a funny answer, but the hardest thing I need to do now is really pick and focus on like another meaningful goal um, that can either take me through the rest of this year or next year, what have it. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, Yeah. I also switched jobs recently. So there's just been a lot of things going on. And now I'm like, you know, where am I? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You feel like a little aimless in like the busyness or the to-dos. And I know like you just described yourself earlier as like a type A personality, you gotta have control. And yeah, uh, I'm sure there's like that tension in you of like, I'm not accomplishing something. What am I doing with my life? Well, exactly. So I'm gonna go a little crazy this weekend, I think, trying to figure that out. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate to some degree. I don't think I'm as uh, type A as like people think of type A when, when they hear that, but I definitely am a, like, I want to check so many things off the list kind of a person. And when I don't have a list, I'm like, I, like, I almost feel like my body gets antsy, you know, like I, it's just this weird place to live in. And it's like, how do I go create something that I can do? And so, I mean, I I need to channel a lot of my energy back into jump roping. I think it's been, that has taken a toll in the last few months. You got to give the people what they want, Alicia. They want more (laughs) Alicia jump rope videos. So you got to give it to them. 
Um, cool. Well, uh, for people who maybe this is their first time being introduced to you, or uh, you know, maybe they've heard of you before, but they never really connected. Like, how can people get in touch with you or follow what you're doing? Yeah, and, and know more about about you. I mean, if you want to get to know me more and more, DMs are not the greatest place to go, but my Instagram is at alicia.jumprope, A-L-Y-S-I-A dot jumprope. Um, there's an email me button. So if you email me and you want to get to know me or like have tips on like jump roping or where to start or who to follow, I'd say that's the best place to go. <laughs> okay. So Instagram, but email. email. <laughs> yeah. Email her through her Instagram. I'll put that all in the show notes so people. I love typing uh, paragraphs and paragraphs. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to scroll through that. Uh, <laughs> just read it on their computer. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'll make sure that people have those instructions in the, the show notes. But Alicia, thanks. This was super fun. Thanks yeah. for hopping on and sharing your story. I've been super curious. I didn't know if this was going to be the answer. So, uh, it's fun to to hear more of that and and yeah. how you've, you've grown through it. So I'm Thank sure it'll be an encouragement for people. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Do Hard Things podcast by Elite SRS. We hope you are encouraged today and have a newfound hope to persevere. Be sure to subscribe for more great episodes and conversations. And if you ever want to watch an episode, check out our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash Elite SRS. Have a blessed day.